I had COVID a few weeks ago, so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what if he has COVID? But no, just the exhaustion and that stomach virus, just an awful thing. Hey, it's the old and sick show. That's <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Every other week, one of us has something. Exactly, exactly. But we're trying our best. Next week, Courtney breaks a hip. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, everyone, this is Courtney Kelly. We are so excited to be back with you, coping on the couch with Courtney and Brian. I am a mental health therapist, and Brian, of course, has had a journey through therapy, and together, we try to take away the stigma that is attached to mental health at some times. We also try to help people to get into therapy, to get into more supports, get some coping. We try to provide some information, education, and a little entertainment along the way as well. Well, now Brian has been out. We do a radio show together here in Providence, Rhode Island. He's been out for a few days. He's been under the weather, but we have him on the phone right now. Brian, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, Courtney. I've been a mental health patient for a hundred episodes of Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. This week, I decided I'm going to spread my wings and be an urgent care patient as well. (laughs) I don't necessarily know that we want to do an entire podcast on that. Right. It's good to be anywhere other than on a toilet at this point. This whole thing, it started as just exhaustion. You know, there might be a podcast in that, too. Mm-hmm. I meant to tell you this before we got to the podcast, <laughs> but hey, what the hell? What do I care at this point? Sometimes I think we bring some ailments on ourselves, and I've just been going a 1,000 miles an hour for a very long time, and when anything goes wrong physically with me, I do think it has affected me mentally a little bit. At first, it was just exhaustion. It turned into a stomach thing, but I'm here now. I hope to be back on the radio show on Monday as we record on a Friday. People probably wondering what is going on, but it's good to hear your voice. It's basically just good to be anywhere. At yeah. This point. No, it's good to have you here. And of course, I've been worried about you. Everybody's been worried about you. And just <laughs> having. Their concern is, oh my God, is he coming back? <laughs> <laughs> no. They're like, when is he coming back? We miss Brian. <laughs> and. This thing has wiped you out. Of course, I had COVID a few weeks ago, so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what if he has COVID? But no, just the exhaustion and that stomach virus, just an awful thing because it drags on. Hey, it's the old and sick show. (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Every other week, one of us has something. Exactly, exactly. But we're trying our best. Next week, Courtney breaks a hip. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned, folks. So you had sent me this article, and it was a research article, and it had to do with antidepressants. And I guess it was a specific study they were talking about saying that they were thinking, because of what had come to light, that antidepressants do not significantly improve life quality. As soon as I read it, I was like, wait, what's going on with this thing? But I know it caught your eye, and we kind of wanted to shine a light on this because we really need to educate ourselves and keep fighting when it comes to mental health. So we're going to cover a few different things today. But when this article came out, What was your first reaction when you saw this? I don't want to say that it infuriated me, Mm -hmm. but it did make me upset because I do feel, and we've discussed this, I believe, even on the podcast, but even more so in our personal lives. I really and truly do believe that we are living in this clickbait society Mm. where people are just looking to get a link hit and putting certain information out there just to get it and everything else be damned. And I say this from personal experience, and I think anybody who has listened for the 100 Now Plus episodes knows I'm anything but somebody who will fall victim to a placebo effect. I'm the biggest skeptic when it comes Mm -hmm. to anything. I have no expectations that anything is going to go well. But when I have been 
at the depths of depression and anxiety and at a point where, all right, I knew I needed therapy. And this is because therapy takes a little bit of time. I needed something to bridge that gap to help me stay focused and not end up in a garage with the car running. I have done work with medication and not every single one has worked. I will give you that, but certain ones have. So why would I assign a placebo effect to one thing and then not to another? You and I were having a discussion about this and I said, look, when I get a headache and I don't get them a lot, Tylenol does nothing, Aleve does nothing. Ibuprofen, on the other hand, does work. So again, am I just randomly assigning a placebo effect to that? No, I don't think so. I just think that everyone's chemistry is different. And to make this blanket statement, which only emboldens people who are skeptics, and that's exactly what this podcast is about. We want to take away the stigma away from therapy, away from things like medication. I think an article like this sets somebody like that back a hundred miles and that's mm. the last thing that somebody like that needs what there's no point in me even trying because that article said this that right. and the other thing and increasingly in the media we're seeing this now before it was the internet where it was the wild wild west you couldn't really trust every single thing that you saw now i think professional journalism is so desperate to get eyes on their articles they are willing to make blanket statements like this that can be harmful to other people. And that was my gut reaction. That's what really had me concerned. Mm -hmm. It's important to look at what makes good research. And if you just have one study saying something, that doesn't necessarily mean really anything because you have to look at it and say, okay, what was the sample size? Is there somebody sponsoring this? Is there another reason as to why this information would come out in this certain way that it's supporting certain things? Can it be replicated? That's a big thing. When I went to graduate school and I had to take courses on good research, that's what you would look for. Can you do this again? Because if there's one study that says one thing, if they don't have a bunch of other studies to back that up, then you can't make that claim. And also, is this going to be in a peer-reviewed, published journal? That's another thing. When you see research, for people to really look at this with a critical eye and say, is this in a reputable journal? Has this been published and reviewed by professionals in the field? And are they also concurring with this? Are there other studies backing this up? Those are all things that I think that's important for people to kind of recognize when they look at certain articles that pop up. Because like you said, Brian, there's so much clickbait headlines that we look at. I get infuriated every day. I click on something and I'm like, that's not what it was. You're clicking on my Tinder photo and you're like, he doesn't look like that. <laughs> that's not Brian Mohan, that's Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> <laughs> Looking good, Lorenzo, by the way. Um, <laughs> the other thing too, Courtney, is this. We both know in a week we're going to see an article that says exactly mm-hmm. the opposite. Right. But what drives me crazy is maybe that person who made up their mind about the last article is not going to see the next one. And that's right. It's scary. We live in a time we're in kind of a danger zone because while it can be healthy to question certain things, people are sometimes questioning everything. Mm -hmm. And I think it's healthy to question this article and say, well, maybe I should dig a little bit deeper and see if I can find some other research or maybe get some anecdotal evidence from people who have had experience with this. But I just think people are in such a place right now when it comes to COVID vaccines or whether COVID exists and all Mm -hmm. this other stuff where they just want to dig their heels in, have their opinion if they see the one thing 
that backs up what they believe, that's going to be the gospel truth, and that's the beginning, middle, and end of everything. And I think we need to have healthy skepticism, Mm -hmm. but you need to combine that with an open mind. And I just feel like, as a society in general, we're becoming more closed-minded. And whereas in the past, I used to be somebody who trusted journalism because it wasn't editorialized, it wasn't sanctimonious, it's becoming less and less that, Mm -hmm. because the way that they measure their success has changed, and now it's becoming more about who has their eyeballs on what we're doing more so than what the facts are, what journalistic integrity is, Mm -hmm. and what is really and truly informing, educating, and helping people. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at things with a critical eye, not trying to question absolutely everything up and down, but to look at it with a critical eye. And I know there have been independent experts. You read this article, they talked about how they criticized the study for not taking into account the difference in the depression levels between the two groups that they studied. And they said clinical trials with experimental designs have actually found that antidepressants improve mental health related quality of life. They've shown this over and over again. So you have to look at and see how are they doing the research here. And that's really where it's important. I just want people to know that they need to take things with a grain of salt and look at the bigger picture and do a little deeper research on their own and then consult with the professionals. That's what really this is all about when we do coping on the couches. We're talking about accessing mental health help through professionals. And even if you're doing like support groups or if you want to go see a counselor one-on-one or you want to talk to a psychiatrist or a med provider, but being able to say, you know what, I need to get more information, not to be afraid to get that information, but not to kind of stick on one side or the other and say, okay, let me just find out what the options are. And there's a lot of options aside from medications too. We talked about that last time too. There's ways to stimulate the brain and there's all sorts of different ways that people can get treatment now and also with therapy to help people to look at things differently. It's important to shine a light. I'm glad that you had sent that article to me, even though when I read it, I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> but well, I, and to you combine know. what I just said and further speak to something that you said earlier, you said something very interesting that I think is 100% true. Not only are we becoming more opinionated about things, we're also becoming lazier. And as you said, I will read a headline sometimes and then I'm like, what? Mm. And then I click on it and I read the article and I'm like, well, that article doesn't necessarily reflect what the headline says, here's the problem. My 22-year-old, not only is he not reading headlines, right. he will be following somebody on TikTok who just reads the headline and then speaks about something as if it's the gospel truth, mm-hmm. when the meat of the article does not necessarily reflect what the headline says. Right. So between the stubbornness and this laziness, that's where misinformation becomes toxic. Right. Because you're not doing the research, you're not doing the due diligence, you're just trusting the clickbait versus what the reality truly is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is. And it's entertainment value, too, a lot of times. You know, Mm -hmm. we'll see something and be like, oh, it'll catch our eye and it's something funny or something interesting. But like you said, if we don't go that extra mile to see exactly what is there, then we're believing things. It's funny, too, because you hear people argue because they say, I read this article. Well, they didn't really read the article. They read the headline. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. And people are going at it with each other. And it's like, no, if you just took an extra five minutes to actually read it and see, that's what happens. People are arguing over and over again about headlines. <laughs> to make an old school reference here for Playboy, I wasn't reading the articles. I was just looking at the pictures. 
Barely read the headline, just watched the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> because we've got to educate ourselves. And I think that's the most important thing to think about. Educate ourselves. We need to talk to each other. We've done other podcasts on this about the importance of being open to each other about our struggles so that we can help each other up. And also to keep fighting this. We talked about this last time with Naomi Judd. What a tragedy. So, so sad. And we found out more information on her this week on how she passed. Just really heart-wrenching and devastating. Devastating for her and her family because Ashley Judd, her daughter, is the one who found her and it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And it's just so, so sad. She was talking about shining a light more on mental health issues and she was saying it's catastrophic. She goes, what her mother was dealing with and her mother just could not see the reality of how many people loved her and valued her, wanted to be around her. She could not let that in. Her mental health issues really blocked all of her blessings and really made her believe something that wasn't true. I don't know if she struggled with any kind of delusions or paranoia, but it sounds like it had such a grip that no one could get through to her to make her see any other way. And while I don't believe this to be the case, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Let's just say that there is somebody similar to a Naomi Judd. Now, she had a real knowledge of what her experience was. Mm -hmm. She acknowledged what her depression was, tried to get help, and it didn't work, which is truly unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But let's just say hypothetically that she's somebody who was considering going on medication, saw that article and said, bah, waste of my time, Mm -hmm. and then ended up taking her life, when maybe that medication could have helped her. That's the danger. And that's where responsible journalism needs to look at this and say, what's more important here? If it saves one life over getting me a thousand clicks, what basket should I be putting my eggs into? And I don't think there's enough consideration, especially when it comes to an irresponsible article like this, do something like that. Right, exactly. And I know she probably tried lots of different treatments. I think she was treatment resistant, as she had said before, because she's written books. Mm -hmm. She's done a lot of advocacy for mental health, but it makes you question so much about this with mental health. It's like if she struggled, and we assume she had so many different resources to be Mm -hmm. able to tap into with mental health issues, it really can tell you a story. And I know it's done that to you. I know I've had stuff where with anxiety where it tells you this story. You think it's the reality of your life when really it's not. And you have to be able to question that. But to me, you have to question that early on when you start to read the signs, when you start to feel the mood slipping, when you start to feel the anxiety going up, not when you're at a 10. Like I tell my clients, let's start to see the signs and start to question it when you're at a three, a four, a five, so that we can help you to gain that control again. It's just so insidious sometimes with mental health issues. Just for people to know that the pain, the loneliness, sadness that they're going through, other people have experienced that. I know with Naomi Judd, she would not probably believe that anyone else felt the way that she felt, but so many people do feel that. To get that and to expose yourself maybe to other people, to other stories, to therapy, to normalize that. I remember I had one client, I'll never forget it, I was explaining to him all about anxiety and I said, oh, okay, let's talk about fight or flight, let's talk about what happens to your body and 
let's talk about the triggers and PTSD. He had no idea. And he had actually worked with people for years. And he did not know that because of the things that he had gone through, his reactions were actually normal. And he did mm-hmm. not understand. He thought that no one else had anxiety like that. He really thought he was alone. And once we talked about that, it didn't instantly make the symptoms go away. But it helped him to see like, oh, my gosh. Well, I remember him looking at me and saying, oh, other people have this? I'm like, yes, of course. I'm trying to explain it. It's huge when you can normalize it and you can validate someone's experience. Well, it presents a fresh and healthy perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's the danger of this article because it is dissuading that. And to speak to what you were saying about Naomi and to speak from personal experience, sometimes when the work feels like it's getting too hard, don't kid yourself. It's very hard work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just looking for excuses to not do the work. Right. And to see an article like that or just a headline, it gives you that excuse to not do the work. And also, when you get trapped in that mindset of, eh, nobody else cares, we discussed this last week in the episode about Naomi, how it drives me similarly crazy when people say, suicide, what a selfish act. I can tell you as somebody who came pretty close to committing it myself, what you end up telling yourself, it's amazing the mental gymnastics that you will go through where you literally think that by killing yourself, and I have no doubt that Naomi had this thought, you are doing your loved ones a favor because in your head you've become such a burden Mm -hmm. that to take that burden away from her daughters is actually the right thing to do. And I know for people who have not been in that place, you hear that and it sounds like absolute lunacy. But take it from somebody who has been in that place and take it from somebody who has taken medication and had it work on some level. Mm -hmm. I have been there. I can confirm all of these things. I can understand where she was coming from. And I also understand where she potentially would get tripped up by all of this stuff. And that's why it's important for us to verbalize all of that and to shine a light on it. That's what the whole point of the podcast is. God forbid people are just looking at the titles of the podcast and not listening to it. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what they're doing with these articles. And we try to not be misleading with our titles, but there's a whole lot more involved in the conversations that we have more so than what we name it. When we talk about people who are in that place, they have such ruminating negative thinking. And I know I've had clients who would take themselves to the hospital when they get in that space because they know they don't want to do something, as we say, ending something because of certain issues and making a permanent choice for temporary problems. Especially when you work with people ongoing, you make a safety plan. What kind of coping can you do when you start to not feel well? Who are your supports that you have around you that you can reach out to? What are the emergency numbers that you need and the crisis lines. Those are the kind of things that we work with people to make sure they have a safety plan. We do it over and over again to kind of normalize the fact that when you don't feel well, that you can reach for that. And there's things that you can do to cope. And so when they start to not feel well, I've had clients who would say, okay, I need to go to the hospital now. That's what we hope that people never have to deal with that 
that kind of mental health issue where they're feeling so desperate in that way. But if they do feel that way, we want them to know, like, yes, get yourself to a hospital, get some help, because those ruminating thoughts, you can be aware of them and what's happening, and you can try to figure out ways of coping. But when they get to a certain place, it can be very, very scary. And so knowing that and saying, okay, I can go get some help now. And it's just really, really tragic when people are not in that space where they believe that they can get that help. I know that ruminating negative thinking, like you said, it can be deceptive. You start to believe it. You start to really think like things would be better if you weren't there. When we throw in other issues too, some people are dealing with mood issues. Some people have thought disorders where their thinking is so disordered that it's really hard to intervene because they just won't believe you. There's a lot of paranoia. There's all this different thinking going on that's really difficult to unravel. So that can be really especially challenging as well. When people are having any of that distress, it's really important to get that help. And to further add to that, I'm actually glad that you mentioned where your brain can take you and how you can justify certain things. And it's not about being selfish. It's just about bringing relief to yourself. At least that's what you're thinking Mm -hmm. and bringing an end to this horrible thing that it just feels like there's no hope whatsoever. I distinctly remember a loved one who came to us and we knew that this person was having suicidal ideations and the defense of it was this, look, this is what I want. Just please give this to me. And if it's what I want, can't you be happy for me when it's over? And even to just say those words, a rational, I don't want to say sane person, but I would say a rational person would say, well, that's just absolute lunacy. Well, walk a mile if that person shoes before making a judgment like that. And to that person, that would be the bliss without the consideration of, and you said it last week in the Naomi Judd episode, the sadness that would be spread around to everybody else because to that person, the end would be euphoria. And it's not that they're not considering the feelings of anybody else, but they will get it to a point where they're like, well, can't you just be happy for me that I'm killing myself? For as crazy as that sounds, they really and truly do believe that. And that's what a person like that is up against. And I'm sure in her final moment, these were some of the things that Naomi said to herself to justify what she ultimately did. Mm -hmm. And I know Dolly Parton had gotten up and she had spoken to the family. She was at the memorial and she said, you know, we need to love our family. Sometimes they know not what they're doing. She wanted to do a tribute, but also the fact of now there's this pain and there's this hole in this family. Also acknowledging that Naomi was in a lot of pain and she had been for many years with the ups and downs and this just catastrophic, as Ashley Judd put it, mental illness. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around it when you've not been in that place or you've not been with people who have been in that place. But it's very heartbreaking. And when I look at the family, too, I say, wow, we're just trying to do everything that we can to try to continue to shed a light and have other people shed lights, too, so that we can get people to treatment. We can get more interventions earlier on. Obviously, she's had a lot of help along the way, but there was something with her. There was just such a deep, deep illness with her. And I think she had a lot of re-traumatization and a lot of PTSD, which was really difficult for her to deal with. But there is a lot of help out there and all different types of help, too. Sometimes peer-driven help can be really, really important in saying, you know what? I was there. I felt this way. And guess what? This is the work that I did to get myself through it. And I think that can be so, so meaningful when you know someone else was in that place struggling in that way. And to 
further reinforce something that we discuss all the time, too, where therapy is not a place of judgment. Mm -hmm. It is not a place of really success or failure. I mean, hopefully it's more about success than failure. In terms of how things ended for Naomi, I think it's important to note this. What ultimately happened, while on some level may feel like a failure, I think we also have to acknowledge that this was a lady who was very strong and a fighter. Mm -hmm. She was 74 years old. She had been battling this for decades. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't, hey, this is the first time I ever thought about killing myself. I'm going to do it now. This was, nope, I'm not going to do it. Nope, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Nope, I'm not going to do it. And then there was just something that was the straw that broke the camel's back and ultimately caused her to end things the way that she did. And it's very easy to focus on that one moment of weakness and ignore the, I'm sure, hundreds of moments of strength. Mm -hmm. And I choose to focus on how long she fought that fight, how much she tried to deliver the message that she did, how many lives she tried to change as opposed to, well, what a horrible thing she did to her daughters, which I really and truly think in this world where people are very opinionated, not educated, dig their heels in, pass judgments, that's not the way to look at this. This needs to be a teaching moment for people. This needs to be a moment where we really open our eyes and wake up to the fact as to what we're up against when it comes to something like this, Mm -hmm. that a 74-year-old woman who had battled this forever finally stopped fighting the fight, but that doesn't mean that she wasn't a fighter. She was a fighter. She was a very strong woman, and all I can hope is that her daughters, who also suffer from a lot of the same afflictions, choose to continue to fight that fight as opposed to having that one moment of weakness because you don't want that to be what defines you, especially somebody like that. Yeah, and that's a great point, too, because she has saved so many people in her books, Mm -hmm. her advocacy, her honesty. Naomi lived, of course, in the public. Everyone knew her, and everyone knew what she was going through, and there was so much out there, and so she could have chosen to just keep everything to herself, but she helped other people, and she wrote the books, and she was advocating for people, and we will never know how many people she saved because they Mm -hmm. knew her story, and And they could relate to her and they saw that strength and they really latched onto that and she helped them through in all the battles that she's done. We have to shift and choose where we are looking. This is a moment in time right now, but when you pull back and look at her whole life, what an amazing legacy, all of her talent and her beauty. But more than that, everything that she's done for other people and that light that she would shine on people. So yeah, that's the thing I think to take away to continue her work in honor of her. This is another thing that we do. It's continuing to fight the fight and help people and get as many people on board with getting the help that they need and taking away that stigma. And I know her daughters are going to keep continuing to do that. And even in the interview when Ashley was broken up and hurting, she would talk about, hey, get yourself to a meeting or get yourself some help or embrace someone else and talk about this. She continues to want to advocate. So I think that's a beautiful thing in their family that they're not going to stop the fight. They're going to keep fighting on. I can say, too, that for many, many years, I never publicly discussed my battle with depression and anxiety. And not that I was necessarily afraid to, per se, but I think a lot of people are. And it's funny because as I've been sick and not working on our morning radio show whatsoever, I've been supplying myself with some other things. 
I was writing some stand-up material, and in no way is this a shot at you, Courtney, but I think that you're going to understand this when I say it. I think part of the problem is we are living in a society now where people, and we've said it so many times, want to present a certain version of themselves. They want to run away from their flaws. They want to hide them from people. They want to hide their imperfections to the extent, and here's where you come in. <laughs> We'll take six photos together, oh. and the first five you will delete because you don't want people to see who you really are. You oh, don't the puffy want the eye girl? To see, <laughs> yeah, your imperfections or what you deem to be imperfections. And I think that's the path that we're going down. i got to filter this. i got to mm-hmm. Photoshop that. I have to look like I'm perfect. I can't let anybody know that I'm not as young as I used to be, that I'm not as skinny as I used to be, that I don't look as good, that I don't have it all together, when in reality, somebody like me, when I finally started talking about everything that was wrong with me, I drew strength from that, and I guarantee you the fact that she did that and just laid it all out on the table, here's what's wrong with me, Mm -hmm. that probably extended her life by decades. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because she drew strength, and other people started contacting her and saying, hey, Courtney, I have bags under my eyes, too. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate, or, yeah, Brian, I have man boobs. (laughs) We try to do our work. Yeah, this is the work we do, right? (laughs) Yeah. Eye bags. <laughs> but seriously, like how many stories per week are we reading about, oh, Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. photoshopped this out of that, photoshopped right. this kid into this thing and everything else. But it's just like we're not living in reality anymore. And mm-hmm. when you're not living in reality, you're not dealing with it. Right. And when you deal with reality, suddenly you don't feel so alone and you have the ability to draw strength from it. And that is what is now on the plate of Ashley and Winona to continue that fight to try to show people, hey, our family wasn't perfect, our mom wasn't perfect, right. but we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that this doesn't happen, not only within our family again, but within other families, because we don't want anyone else to suffer what we have just experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone who's listening that needs resources around this, the thing is, I always like to give the text line, 741741, that's the suicide prevention text line, which makes it really easy for people, if you're in crisis, you're not feeling so well about things, just text that real quick. Also 1-800-273-8255 is the suicide prevention hotline. And I also always like to tell people to go to our page, the wellness 411 page, catcountry.com, because we have a lot of great resources there. It's just important to get that help when you need it and to help someone else to get that help when they need it. And I think just putting the light, like we said, on Naomi, on her kids, everything that they've struggled with, but that's what they're still fighting for. Of course they are. This was Naomi legacy. Just keep educating, keep fighting. I mean, it kind of goes back to the article too. When you read things, dig a little deeper, get the information that you need. Don't be afraid to look at it with a critical eye and go that extra mile because it's really important. There's so many things that you can find out about, especially with mental health. There's so many new things happening all the time. It blows my mind. I'm always cutting out articles and sending them to my clients about new things that are coming up to try to give people hope. There's so many things people are dealing with. Chronic pain, that's a huge one that can really hurt your mental health. When people are dealing with daily anxiety and all these things, I say, oh, look at this. There's a new technique with relaxation or this or that. I try to keep on top of things. And it is amazing how much there is out there, but 
You have to ask. You have to go and try to get that information. Don't be afraid to find out more things to help you, especially with the struggles with mental health. And to put my money where my mouth is via the monologue that I just espoused, mm-hmm. I'm reachable at Brian at Mantis.com. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You're <laughs> embracing, so I'm going to be corny <laughs> at Puffy Eyes. Baggyeyes.net. <laughs> .net. Okay, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. I know it's a slippery slope, though, Brian. You're right. It's a slippery slope because we want to look good and, oh, it's a bad camera angle. Let me switch this. Oh, let me do that. Now, I'm not in my Kim Kardashian doing the makeup settings, cutting this out and making myself look thin and all this stuff. No, but it's a slippery slope, right? I mean, what first starts out as a little tweak here, a little this, and oh, I can do this. I can erase that. I can change this. But then you end up presenting a whole nother reality. And I think that's important. So that's another thing I'm going to think about today, Brian. Thank you so much. Maybe I'll post some pictures of my puffy eyes. (laughs) I'll hashtag it. Oh, God, you're going to look like absolute hell on Monday. What have I done? And Brian's going to be like, I don't really know her. I don't really know her. I may have a mustache. (laughs) That's what you really look like? It's very important, two things. We need to embrace our imperfections Mm -hmm. more, and we need to be able to laugh at ourselves more. Right, exactly. I said this, and those are the two areas within which I think we're going down a very dangerous path, but now I think we can add another one, which is the spreading of misinformation through clickbait and ignorance Mm -hmm. and all of those other things, and we need to be very vigilant about all of these things, or we're just going to continue to circle the drain. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, we've got no misinformation here today for, what is this, episode 101? 101. You better believe it. Courtney, how can they really reach you? Because Courtney at (laughs) baggyeyes.net, I don't have that URL going quite yet. It's not set up yet, yes. Wellness at WCTK.com. You can email me anytime and I'll get right on it to help you out. We've got the socials at Cat Country Mornings on virtually every platform. We have the individual pages. Courtney with a C, Kelly Ewell sometimes Bedard. I'm Brian with an I, Mohern, H-E-R-N. You can find this podcast, of course, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your smart devices. Spread the word to people. Get them informed. Don't have them reading misleading headlines. Get them in the know because with that education and with that version of therapy, maybe you can save a life. Maybe somebody like a Naomi Judd in that moment of weakness, if she could have found something like our podcast, Mm -hmm. like articles that are telling things the way that they really and truly are, who knows what would have happened in that moment. I really do think, and I don't mean to minimize what she went through, but you just never know what that thing is, as you said, Courtney, too, and how many lives she did save Mm -hmm. by being as strong and as honest as she was. Yeah, being so candid like that, absolutely, and people just being like, wow, she sees me, she understands, that's where I am, too, and I thought I was alone, but I'm not. Right. Here's some honesty. I don't feel like going back to work on Monday, but I'll probably be there. (laughs) Get your butt back in here, Mulhern. (laughs) And truthfully, it's good to hear the sound of your voice. It's good to be sitting on something that doesn't flush. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that visual. We really appreciate that. You're quite welcome. Hey, I do what I do. Once again, embracing my imperfections. Yes, yes. And laughing at it at the same time. You're so good (laughs) at it, Brian. I'll give you props on that. (laughs) That's what Coping Out the Couch with Courtney and Brian is all about. Thanks for listening to this nonsense. And we will see you next week for episode 102. Thanks, Courtney. Thank you. I want to 